0: With Uber Reserve, good things come to those who plan ahead. Family vacay? Reserve your ride as soon as you book your flights. To all the planners, now
1: you can reserve your Uber ride up to 90 days in advance. See Uber app for details. Hello and welcome to the Comedians Playing Fantasy Premier League podcast with me, the comedian, podcaster, broadcaster, presenter, Matt Ford.
2: And me, professional defecator, John Richardson. This is the podcast that needs you to come up with a new intro for us. Email hello at cpfbl.com with your suggestions.
1: We are delighted to be joined by one of the greatest comedians of the last 30 or 40 years and star of Father Ted. I don't know why I said 30 or 40. It made it sound, it made a compliment sound like. um, I've been (laughs) doing comedy since I was four.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They also suggest it's it's in that ballpark. One of the greatest comedians of the last thirty four years, but not thirty five.
1: Yeah, yeah I, that ended up sounding passive aggressive. I, I, I'm obviously a huge fan of Father Ted and the stand up show on BBC back in the day, and my hero. We're delighted to be joined by Ardlo Hanlon. Ardlo, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. Well, it's a, it's a privilege to have you on. Uh, obviously, this I'm is a show about by football.
0: i you're, you're, you're bigging me up in such a, in such oh, a well, kind you, way.
1: <laughs> oh. I wish I'd have done it better, really. I'm, I'm regretting um, not thinking about it properly, but uh, the intent was there. Um, this is, is, is a show uh, not just about football, but about fantasy Premier League. Uh, so really? have you ever played it? Yeah, I'm playing it at the moment Ooh. really badly, but I'm, I'm, I, am, I am giving it a go. And how are you finding it?
2: I can't work out why it's going so bad for me this this season. I feel like I've picked a good team, and I'm still scoring. I think I scored about thirty five points last week.
0: Doing, I'm doing okay, but I, you know, I, I, I fancy, I've always fancied myself as a football manager. I actually, I actually uh, wrote to the Leeds manager Jimmy Armfield when I was about ten to uh, advise him on transfer policy um, <laughs> which is a, an absolute fact uh, uh, and you know so I always took it very seriously and, and, I, and I'm a little bit baffled as well as to why I'm not doing, doing better.
2: Can you remember what your advice to him was?
0: It was to uh, it, that he was right to get rid of Gordon McQueen but that he shouldn't have got rid of Joe Jordan. And did he reply? He didn't reply. You no, know? no, I was a bit disappointed, hmm. but I'm, I'm sure he. Um, I'm sure he took it on board.
2: If anything, that suggests to me you were on the nose. I oh. <laughs> think that cut deep.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, I, I would like that would have been, you know, to me that would have been a perfectly sort of, you know, reasonable thing to do with my knowledge of football at the age of nine.
2: Uh, (laughs) but that's the beautiful thing about being passionate about football because really I don't think a nine-year-old knows much more than a 59-year-old in terms of what you know being on the terraces and what it's like to actually be a manager I mean Leeds now is a perfect example because Jesse Marsh was criticized I would say up until about um five to two on Sunday (laughs) and now everyone's decided oh yeah really he he actually does know what he's doing and this whole Red Bull thing that we all criticized of having one plan Actually, if that plan works, it's really good. So I might enjoy football again.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I have to admit, like I was a sceptic, like like I think every other Leeds fan. But he obviously has something. Um, he, you know, he just has that like ludicrous positivity that we associate with Americans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he somehow, it somehow infected the players. Uh, I, I like it just reminded me like yesterday when I was watching the match, you know, like and, and him you know, running up and down and he just he, like he's on the terrible. So there was nothing anyone could have said to him over the last few months that would have that would have give, given him pause for thought. You know, like it, there was a survey I came across recently uh, about Americans, you know, how positive they are. Like something like 80 percent of Americans believe in hell and they literally believe that hell is a real place that actually exists. But this is the bit I like. Only 1% of Americans think that they're going to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Jesse, Jesse Marsh is a really good example of that. He definitely <laughs> thinks he's not going to hell. Well, he's not now anyway. Um, but, and obviously in Britain, nobody believes in hell, but everyone thinks a lot more than 1% of Americans are going to end up there. But um, I
2: think 80% of British people believe they're already in hell. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. This is what we voted for, Arnold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, no, so Jesse Marsh has gone from like you know and nobody uh, a figure of fun uh, to overnight being you know p- possibly a Leeds legend i mean you know that was one of the greatest leeds victories you know since certainly since the return to the premiership
1: it was phenomenal Definitely. fun but obviously you've been a leeds fan for a very long time so why did you pick leeds growing up where you did in ireland at that time um well
0: a couple of reasons first of all johnny giles um who was on manchester united books and i he didn't really get anywhere and then he joined leeds as a as a young player and you know i think he was one of i think footballers from that era will 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 name check johnny giles as one of the best players ever to play in the top flight in english football um. So he was Irish. He was. He was. Uh. He he. He became the captain uh, of Ireland. And he was. Uh. He was sort of my. I suppose my hero growing up. One of my heroes. Uh. Brilliant man. Really modest. Really down to earth. Good singer. He he. He's uh. He's well known <laughs> for his crooning ability. Yeah. Um. Which is important. Uh for morale in the dressing room. Uh but I just loved him. And also I suppose some of the cooler lads on my street, like so we played football all day long on the street as kids. And some of the cooler lads uh, had the Leeds strip and, you know, they, they were they were Leeds fans. So, you know, I just went along with the with with the flow really. Uh I think when you're seven, I think it's when you Adopt a football team. Um, for most people, it's when you're you're at your most impressionable. So and I think it does follow like whoever won the league, the, yes. the you know that year is the team that you you tend to follow. And it is interesting now. You know, people my age uh, are all Leeds fans in Ireland. If you're if you're two or three years younger, you're a Liverpool fan. If you're if you're, you know, a lot younger, you're a Manchester United fan, or if you're a lot older, you're a Manchester United fan. And what about any Forest? Um, I've never met a Forest fan. What? Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. Um I'm I'm and and I, I apologize for that. That's all right.
2: Speaking of sort of, you know, delusional optimism, Fordy is convinced that everybody <laughs> in the world loves forests, that you could literally drop into a remote Paraguayan <laughs> village in a forest <laughs> shirt and somebody would come up and say, Oh my god, <laughs> Brian Clough, European cup <laughs> and I love hearing the noise he makes when someone says, No, not really. i, mean, I, I sort of think, Yeah, they're doing all right, aren't they? Think, didn't they have a good year last year? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, we we always had the thing like the, like I, I suppose being a Leeds fan and 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 you know and I admired Clough and yes. uh, you know uh, I love R- Roy Keane. Clough picked him out of nowhere, yeah. rough diamond uh, turned him into the player that he became. Um, but you know, Clough going to Leeds left a really sour taste. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you remember?
1: Um, no, I, I've does anyone
0: remember? I've read in the books that it wasn't the greatest time for all the Yeah, so There's that brilliant book, The Damn United, yeah. which is which is a fantastic book about obsession. The book is actually brilliant, but the film was really objectionable like Johnny Giles amongst oh. others like uh, I think sued the filmmakers for the way he was represented in it I, I, yeah. I sued the filmmakers for the way Leeds were, were <laughs> <laughs> uh, shown um, it was a disgrace but um, but yeah Clough came in there and he was going to like he was going to change the culture overnight in Leeds and you had some very strong players Bremner, Charlton, Hunter you know uh, Giles and all these fellas Clark Jones and they, they weren't they weren 't standing for it at all um Clough t- told them that they were cheats basically when he came in, and uh, you, know, you know that they had they had um brought the game into disrepute by the way they, by the way they played you know by that kind of ultra professionalism yeah. they brought to the game. but as a kid like I, you know you weren 't aware of that you just I just thought they were brilliant
1: and talking of iconic managers um when bielsa left w- were you as upset as as John was, and are you over it now
0: um I was upset, like from from the point of view, is like I absolutely loved him. You know, he he was he was he was uh, he was just a a great man. You know, never mind football manager. He was just a beautiful human being. Um oh, so he
2: yeah. said to be off again. <laughs> yeah, I, was, off. I thought I was over it, but the way you're talking is is bringing it all back.
0: What yeah, I mean, he was just so you know th- there's that there's all those apocryphal stories about him um like where he 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 lived above a Costa coffee in a village you know not far from Leeds not far from the training ground he had the council like paint a, a line on the road that brought him from his little flat above the coffee shop to the training ground so as he could so as he wouldn't have to look he could just concentrate on on, on what he was <laughs> going to do that day at the training ground so he just had this like red line that brought him all the way so he didn't have to look left or right or he just could focus on 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 the training that lay ahead i didn't know
1: that the council agreed
0: to that and did it well this is one of those stories i don't know oh. if it's true but if i was the council i'd agree to anything bielsa asked me to do yeah
2: <laughs> I'd, if i'd have heard that story while he was here i would have got some red paint and i would have painted that line right to my front door yeah. and just, I just that every day he just followed it blindly and walked seven hours to just knock on my door
0: yeah but you know what, like, and and I am sentimental, like most football fans. And you know, I was I w- I was very sad for him that it that it came to this. But I don't think any, I don't think any Leeds fan, like you, you know, thought that there was anything else we could have done. You know, he, he, like we were losing, we were being drubbed mm-hmm. uh, week in week out, and you know something had to happen. I, you know, like he had flogged the players, and and they couldn't give him any more, and. I'm sure I'm sure none of them nobody resented him no fan resented him no player would have resented him and you know they would have walked over glass for him but ultimately <laughs> something had to had to give
1: and do you have Leeds players in your FPL team
0: I do but the but like you know like everyone else I was devastated when Rafinha went and and, and Phillips went uh so I have uh, Melier, the keeper but I have him on the bench and I have cuz I did think we were going to ship Quite a few goals this year, but I had to have a few token leads players. Like, I, like, I, 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 there's nothing practical about my fantasy football team, really. I also had Bamford as well, but again, uh, being injury prone, I subbed him out this week or I I transferred him out this week for um, Mitrovic. Ooh. Yeah. Which was canny. Which was canny, but I might bring him back in when he gets fit again. And what's your FPL team called? Oh, I don't want to tell you. It's Why not? Really bad, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, I'm really embarrassed because you know I am a creative artist yeah. and I I write words <laughs> for a living, and I've come up with a really terrible name. It's it's uh, it's it was just it was just I like, I didn't think about it. I didn't put any thought into
1: the name. Okay, it's it's good engines. It's, good engines. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's got a, there's something wholesome. It almost feels like um a Thomas the Tank episode.
0: Yeah. I, I know, and I, uh, uh, which reminds me, I was actually asked to voice one of the parts in Thomas the Tiger. No Engine way. I
1: was a young man, yeah. Was yeah. that Ringo era or post-Ringo? It
0: was, oh God, now you have me. So, well, it was mid-90s. So yeah, I think Ringo
1: Starr was. was still doing it.
0: Yeah, I think he was. But you see, the problem was I wasn't asked to be a train, so uh, I was asked to be a cement mixer. Okay. and uh, Is that um, why you said no? Yeah, uh, that's why I said no, because it was like... It was Irish stereotyping. <laughs> oh,
1: <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that jingoism existed on the Isle of Sodor? Um, but, Do you uh... want to put a
2: shout out now? If, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how far this podcast reaches, to be honest. I think if we're honest, it's largely FPL nerds. But if one of them happens to have an in on Sodor... Is, is there a? Do, do you regret that decision? Would you go back if you were offered a train?
1: Yeah, I would take it now with the cost of living crisis and everything. <laughs> okay, so we, I tell you what. I, why don't we just do it now? All was quiet on the Isle of Sodor. Ardle the white engine, was stuck just outside Elland Road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a
2: great cloth.
1: God. You should have got a part. You should have got. A do you think? I mean, I'd have happily played any any uh, jingoistic part. I'll, I'll do pretty much anything for money. Yeah, yeah, I've
2: done. uh, You must have done these auditions for sort of Hollywood animated movies. Have you ever sort of come close, or because that to me is the dream that you get flown to America, you spend two weeks in a studio for about five hours doing a stupid voice, and then you mooch about. Nobody knows what you're doing. You have a right laugh.
0: Yeah,
2: and it dawned on me recently. That what they do is they get comedians to audition for those voices and basically write the script and hone a funny voice and then they give it to Ben Affleck or whoever yeah, they really want to do it. It's
0: a disgrace. I I once played Hammy the hamster mm. in a in a in a in a full length feature version of Tales of the Riverbank, um, and it was a bit like that except. Uh, the re- the production ran out of money, so we we had to go in at the very beginning and just do a guide track for the animators, and then um the whole production ran out of money, so they had to use the guide track, which was just like kind of semi improvised, sort of poor sound quality. But uh, I've done a few of them, and not none. I haven't done anything big in Hollywood, but I've done loads of animations where I en- end up. I usually end up playing a cow, uh. But you can have a lot of fun being just a big goofy cow.
2: Is that is that a sort of spirit thing that people hear your voice and think of a cow? Is that yeah. just because you have a generation now of producers who probably idolized Father Ted and remember that one scene and just in your head, they just yeah, think, it's pos- he's is- the cow guy.
0: Yeah, I think that's how it works. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> You've just done, um, speaking earlier of sort of Bielsa's commitment to th- thrashing players and being forced to perform whether you want to or not, you were amazing on Taskmaster, mm. I have to say. Oh. Thank you so As much. Someone who uh, struggled with it. It's one of those jobs that you take, and then I guess it's all people sort of talk to you about for a bit.
0: Yeah, well, it was it was one of those jobs that I probably would have run a mile away from a few years ago because, like, I was always very shy about being myself on television. Like, I love playing parts in TV shows, even stand up. Like, it's kind of a persona, you know. You 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 sort of arm armor yourself when you go on stage. Um, with your, with your jokes and, um, you, know, you, you, you know, you have a kind of a heightened version of, your, of, of yourself or whatever. So I was always a bit shy about being, being myself on TV and uh, I was a bit nervous about it. But like, you know, we'd been trapped at home for two years in the pandemic. Mm. So I, I jumped at it when I was asked to do it, just to get out of the house and, 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 and you know, play with adults for a change rather than, rather than my own immediate family. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was, it was, it was the, best, the best fun I ever had uh, at work have to say it was really it was really liberating and uh, you know I thought I'd be really self-conscious and you know uptight and stiff and and you know uh, uh, it's it just it's just the whole tone of it is just so it's just so infectious you, you, you know you, you just you just get giddy you're just giddy all the time there and and um, I can't explain it it was just a, a beautiful thing and I think I was really lucky with the bunch of people we had as well uh, everyone got on quite well <laughs> and uh It was just, yeah.
2: It's sort of every now and again, I don't know if your series was like mine, you'd sort of creep towards taking it a bit seriously and then realise you're arguing over whether somebody sort of ate purple scrambled egg fast enough. And it it inherently checks that side of you that gets a bit, I guess, like in football and things, wanting to be a bit competitive and then you think, oh, this, this looks really bad for me.
0: Yeah. I still I, get
2: emails about I I wouldn't let Joe Wilkinson have he threw a potato in a golf hole and his his shoe touched the mat and I still get tweets about it. To this day. <laughs> People are still angry with me about it.
0: Yeah. I know like by nature I would be very competitive. I like like when it comes to any sport, football, tennis, anything like that, scrabble, anything, you know, I want to win and I want to win badly and I'm f- probably a very unpleasant person to play with. Um <laughs> but you know, I very quickly realized that I I was I was going to be utterly useless at this thing, and I think I'm I'm, I'm pretty comfortable once I know I'm useless at something, and then I don't, re, you know, I I, I kind of I, I don't I'm not so competitive about it, uh, and and with that it is truly ridiculous to be to be competitive. Like I, I I was quite happy to like yourself, John, to undermine the others at every opportunity. Like, that.
2: <laughs> it was lovely to see you do that because I think because of the sort of characters you've played, people are more surprised. Your stand up um, when I worked with you in Kilkenny, I absolutely adored it and the little barbs that you have i think because people aren't expecting them you don't have to say anything particularly nasty (laughs) to suddenly come across as really nasty because i think (laughs) people just don't expect you're going to do it and then you can say something quite you know not not too bad but the minute you're the one saying i don't think you should get any points for that it's inherently it's 10 times funnier
0: yeah well i don't know i enjoyed that side of it anyway um but yeah i just found it like you know just genuinely like i think i changed as a person doing that show oh yeah i mean you know big talk yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i i kind of got over that sort of self-consciousness which i which which i've always had you know um
1: i didn't realize it could have such profound um life life changing and life affirming side effects doing taskmaster
0: well i think it was partly due to the the pandemic we shot it like that first summer after the after the really horrendous first six months of the of the pandemic or or i think it was then we shot it but it was w- during one of the summers anyway where there was still a lot of restrictions in place like i had to get special permission to leave ireland to go over and film it um i had to get a letter because there, there was there was police at the airports in Ireland. so um you know it was still we were still living in, in in you know in that kind of uncertain period so and i think the others felt the same and uh it was the first time an audience were allowed back in so i think they shot a few series of taskmaster mm. without an audience and i think that was a bit weird for people and uh, we we had an audience and so there was a really giddy atmosphere and it was emotional you know like i with the others like you know there were, everyone was very emotional uh, during the week and particularly at the end of the week when we when we finished up in, in the studio so it was um it's a special time.
1: Obviously, Taskmaster involves a, a level of um, forfeit and things like that, and tr- we've got to do an end-of-season forfeit on this show. Uh, Sean Deitch suggested that we run around a broom 20 times on the halfway line, uh, run and try and take a penalty. Are there any forfeits that you can think of that whoever finishes yeah. below the other between John and I at the end of the season, we should do it? And it really can be anything. I mean, people have suggested we electrocute each other, uh, slap <laughs> each other around the face. There's all sorts of things. I
0: think you, sh- one of you should change your name by depot to <laughs> Brendan Fogelman. <laughs> <laughs> How long for? Just for a month. Okay.
1: I mean, that would be a heck of a oh. thing.
2: I mean, if that's the month of August, that makes your Edinburgh very tricky.
1: Yeah, we'd yeah. have to change my posters. Who's this
2: Brendan Fogelman?
0: Well, you could I, uh, you could adopt a character. I mean, uh, might be the making of
1: it. I mean, so Brendan Fogelman and he what he he, he works he, he probably works on a building site with a cement mixer. Could do, yeah. Um, or he could be a tax
0: inspector, or you know, he could be um, a life coach. Ooh, like
1: a Tony Robbins type character.
0: Oh, I'll tell you who he could be. I'll tell you exactly who he is. And this is this is actually a good idea for Edinburgh Show anyway. Whether you use the name Brendan Fogelman or not, he could be one of those guys. You know, like when you get a new um, thing, like, yeah. and you have to assemble it, and you go on. YouTube. And yes. There's, a, there's always a man there who opens the box and he and he shows you everything and he takes it all out and he puts it all together for you. You could be that guy.
1: Yeah, I fixed my boiler using one of those guys.
0: I I, I uh, assembled a new barbecue there last week.
1: Oh. And was some great great chaps, great chaps on online. Brendan That's Fogelman great. fixes dot dot dot, and then each YouTube video is a different thing. Yeah, it's the Fogelman fix.
0: Oh, brilliant.
1: God, in a way, I hope I lose now. I'll be really disappointed if John gets to do this. <laughs>
2: Well, I'll be honest. I'm sticking with tax inspector. As soon as you said that, I don't, I don't want to be on YouTube. You know, I want to be a tax. That's secretly what I would love to do: yeah. is poke around in the finances of complete strangers and then tell them off. Yeah. I think that's what my spirit animal is, anyway. And
1: what sort of tax would you go? Would you go income tax, or would you go corporate? Would you go for the big dogs?
2: No, no, because there's, you know, I, I definitely got real personal, and and I would start with national treasures. <laughs> I would be trying to bring down Attenborough. Dench, all these people. (laughs) That would be a real piece of work.
1: Oh, that's way better.
2: Yeah, an absolute horror. Um, We also let our listeners uh, set our features um, because, frankly, it's easier. And depressingly, they're better than us. So all we ask is a sort of football pun in the name of the feature. The feature runs for about five minutes and then we move on to a new one. So uh, Twin Dad FPL has suggested a feature called Matty Cash in the Attic. Um, and all you have to do for that ardle is, is nominate what you think the best piece of football memorabilia that you have in your house or in your loft is
0: oh that 's easy uh, I have a bit of Ellen road uh, turf
1: <gasps> Wow
0: yeah it 's just a clump it 's just a clump of grass with a little bit of a little bit of mud at the end a little bit of dried dried mud uh, that's all When did you get it and and did you clump it out yourself? I didn't. I actually, it was somebody. Who, it it was a it was a an intrepid sort of pioneer. So somebody who had been there long before I had been there. I my first trip to Allen Road was probably when I moved to London in the mid '90s. So it would have been would have been '94, and I would have. <gasps> been, that's where my first game was.
2: Oh really? I wonder if our first games were that. My first game was first of October, nineteen ninety four. Leeds 2, Manchester City 0.
0: Wow. Well, I no my my well the first time I saw Leeds live would have been uh, they would have come to London, so it would have been playing qpr um, right i remember qpr were protesting at halftime and there was police on horses clearing clearing the fans off the, off, the, off the ground at half time. so it probably would have been later it would have been well it would have been it would have been october november 94 for sure wow yeah could have been the same game and
2: you were there with your mate brendan Fogerman, who was a professional clump taker yeah. at that point yeah
0: no so and so so a clump taker had gone over like maybe two years earlier like from Dublin, yeah. and he had brought me back a little bit of, a little bit of turf how so have you preserved it, it
2: then?
0: Yeah. Oh. Uh, I just keep it in a little you know you know a little plastic thing like your driver's license might be in something like that. Oh so it's perished. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh it's 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 like it's you wouldn't know what it is now. It's just just, it's just grass dust. dust. Yeah. You can't
2: help but look at it and imagine. So you're talking about sort of 92.
1: Yeah. These, and I used to carry players. that around in my pocket like for years. <gasps> like the ashes of a loved one on a on a necklace.
0: Yeah. yeah. <sighs> no, it's, uh, it's a lovely thing to have. I also have a football signed by all the Leeds team. There was a brilliant event um, in Dublin in, it would have been 19, uh, what's the 30th anniversary of 1972?
2: 2002. 2002.
0: So there was an event in Dublin. So some entrepreneur, but also a Leeds fan. He got together the entire 1972 Leeds team. Uh, The only person missing was Bremner, who had passed away at that stage, and uh, Revy had passed away as well at that stage. So everybody else was there, the entire Leeds team from the 70s, including players who had even come before. John Charles was there, for example. Wow. Players who'd come a bit later, like Duncan McKenzie,
1: Forest alumnus. Yes. Um, Great after dinner speaker.
0: Yeah, so he was there and Tony Curry was there and people like that. So so you had the core early 70s team, plus a few before and after. So it was an absolutely amazing event for people like me and all the Leeds fans of Ireland, and I got to speak at the event and um, Johnny Giles sang and uh, uh, they were what was really brilliant about it was uh, so I I got a signed ball then. uh, There was an auction afterwards and they all signed it. So I got the signed football as well, which I which I've kept and what was brilliant about it was how humble they all were, how lovely they all were. Most of these guys had grown up. Within you know they grown up around Leeds they 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 got the bus to training you know they they spent a lot of time Revy always had them out doing you know good works and stuff like that and they were just lovely and had loads of time for everyone loads of chat it was just uh, it was just brilliant to actually you know they say you shouldn't meet your heroes but in this case it was it was just amazing
2: John Charles I I didn't sort of uh, I didn't know there was crossover with John Charles I'd I'd love to have met John Charles
0: but... yeah yeah basically they invited anyone who had a big association with Leeds you know, who is still around.
2: Let's talk about your book before we go. The book Bruhaha's just come out. What is that about?
0: That is, on the surface, that is a kind of a crime thriller. Um, but it's, uh, it's it's you know, it's about the attempts to find out what happened to the person who went missing a few years ago. But it is set in the border region in Ireland, so it has this kind of social, kind of historical dimension to it. Um, and it's kind of like a satire as well about small-time life, life generally and... You you know so um I think it works on a few different levels. It's a sort of um existentialist thriller, if you want.
1: Sounds great. Um, just just to return briefly to stand up. Obviously, certainly back in the old days, people used to get heckled a lot. Um, we've been having a discussion on this podcast for a few weeks now. Have you ever been called, or have you ever called anyone else a shit eater? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it
0: wouldn't be my go-to
1: term of abuse. Um. No.
0: Uh,
1: No. Yeah, we we think we've hit upon a a kind of social phenomenon where this is happening more than the authorities thought, and we're just trying to shine a light on it.
0: No, I haven't actually even
1: come across it that much. You don't
2: strike me as someone who would call someone a shit-eater.
1: No, it's the C
0: word for me.
2: (laughs) Is there a lot of that if you're if it's a crime thriller novel? Is there a sort of a swear word that you've lent on, or like a particularly um,
0: a, an Irish
2: specific one? Is there a lot of swearing in the book?
0: There is a, quite a lot of swearing in the book. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the characters would be uh, some of it would be quite graphic. Like I always love shows like uh, Deadwood. Do you remember Deadwood? Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant drama series with the with the best swearing ever of all time. Like it was it was just it was just. Uh, you know, swear word piled upon swear word. It was, it was gothic. It was just, just a fantastic exercise in profanity. So that inspired. Very me, odd so. thing when you
2: don't get that, though, isn't it? When there is this odd thing where a very traditional tea time audience who love uh, the chase and things like that also love things like Midsummer Murders, where people get bludgeoned with a pickaxe in a cricket yeah. club, but where they won't have swearing. So it's fine yeah. to watch someone get bludgeoned to death, but then the officer will have to say, cripes yeah. Or something like that. They're, at no point does anyone say, "He's fucking heads off." <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I know it's, it, it, it's it's it's. But it's like it's like uh, you know it's like the Bible Belt in America. You know the, uh, you know, you've got these gun nuts. But like the, you know the the they don't even say curse. They say cuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure catching up and uh, mainly talking Leeds. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved you knocking down the Forest stuff. It's just been
0: a joy. Um, It's been a pleasure. Cheers. I've been talking about football all day long.
2: Matthew, what beers have you been enjoying this week?
1: Pilsner from Roosters is delicious uh, and as well as being available in a can it's also the best-selling beer at Rooster's Tap Room in Harrogate which has 16 different beers available on cask and keg and I'm telling you John the moment I can get to that place I am there.
2: Well, good news because we will be there. They have a private event space and there will be some CPFPL live shows uh, coming from the taproom later this year. So stay tuned for news of that. And Mickey P a uh, Leeds United fan, friend of ours, uh, he hosts a regular night there. He's got some amazing lineups coming up. He's got Maisie Adam, he's got Josh Pugh, he's got Brennan Reese. So they're all coming up in the months ahead at the taproom.
1: For more information and for tickets on the next gig, which is on September the 29th, Go to the taproom section of the Roosters website, roosters.co.uk, and you get 20% off with the magical CPFPL uh, code, CPFPL20. Uh, Enter that at the checkout at roosters.co.uk until the end of September.
2: That's all we've got time for this week. We will be back next week with two more episodes, two more guests. One of those will be comedian and depressingly good FPL player Russell Howard send in your questions for Russell send in any forfeit ideas send in former ideas for him to
1: judge and get in touch on Twitter at comedians FPL email us hello at cpfpl.com you can find us on Insta and Facebook and leave a five star written review and tell all your friends bye bye